Peak Performance knows that according to studies, nearly 30 million men suffer from ED and won't do anything about it. Maybe they're afraid the solution will be painful. Maybe they don't react well to medication. Maybe they're afraid it won't work. Don't be part of that 30 million. Call 1-800-210-8181. That's 1-800-210-8181. Or visit peakperformanceformen.com. Peak Performance. Man at his peak. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at the evolving brain and neuroscience. As we embrace evolution, all four aspects of the human being, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, must remain in balance for us to maintain health. With the pressure of increasing frequencies bombarding the planet and everything on it, including us, any place we have resistance will be slower to adapt. This resistance sets up an imbalance between those four aspects as the restricted area will evolve at a slower rate than the other three. One arena this imbalance is becoming obvious is the human brain. We all have routines, subroutines, and compartments in our neurological pathways that, while serving in the past, are becoming increasingly cumbersome. The problem is people tend to be resistant to change. To change involves chaos, leaving our comfort zone, reconsidering our position. Is there a way to reorganize the brain to meet the new challenges of today? What new information coming from neuroscience research can prove helpful in this process? With us this hour to explore the fascinating topics of evolution, neuroscience, and the human brain is Susan Weinchek. Susan is a Ph.D. in psychology and is the chief behavioral scientist and CEO at the Team W, Inc., as well as an adjunct professor at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. She consults with Fortune 1000 companies, startups, governments, and nonprofits, writes her own blog, a column for Psychology Today Online. Susan's area of expertise is brain and behavioral science, applied to design of products, services, experiences, and human interactions. Her website is theteamw.com. That's theteamw.com. Susan, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Hi, I'm glad to be here. How did you become interested in human behavior? Oh, I think I've been interested in human behavior my whole life. You know, when I was really young, we moved around a lot. Um, we, I moved, I think I, I moved 35 times during my first 30 years of, of being on, in this life. And um, I think when you move around a lot like that and, and you are faced with, you know, as a little kid and you're faced with the whole thing of making friends, right, and 
and all of that, I, I just found that I became a a uh, someone who studies human behavior and trying to figure out why people do what they do. You know why. Why are the, there these clicks at school versus those clicks? And what do I need to do if I want to have a friend and all of that? I, I really think that's where it comes from. But I've always been interested in in what makes people tick and, and why we are the way we are. How much of human behavior do you think is by choice and how much is simply programmed knee-jerk reactions? Oh, such a great question. You know, uh, I... I we might not be able to separate those two things. I think a lot of the times we think we're doing things by choice, but actually we're doing, we're doing just automatic reactions. You know, on the other hand, it's it's really possible to, um, in some ways, uh, retrain or reprogram your brain to not always react automatically. So I think those two things really go hand in hand. I, I agree with you, and I think that's part of our evolutionary process is to take the reins back from our programming, isn't it? Well, you know, I, it's, I don't know that we can totally escape our programming, but I think we have probably a lot more flexibility in there that we, than we sometimes think. Where does the programming come from? Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not a biologist by training, but because uh, I'm a psychologist by training, um, but I, I I do study that interaction between psychology and biology. I th- my personal opinion, everything comes from. Uh, I I think DNA is running the show. That's what I like to say. Our DNA is running the show. So we we um, inherit a lot of our behaviors from our lineage. Um, you know, it's interesting. DNA and and the effects it has on our behavior is much more flexible than we tend to think. I think we have this idea that, you know, you're born with, you know, you, you have DNA, you have genetics, you have your genes, and that's what you're born with, and that's just the way it is. And that's true about some things like, you know, eye color, let's say, right? Um, but we we now know that genes can get switched on and off uh, a lot depending on uh, the term that's used, you know, uh, in, in medicine, biology is, uh, depending on the environment, right. Uh, at, which is a really large term, which means not only, you know, literally the environment, like the air you're breathing and so on, but also just what happens to you. And a lot of that, it turns out, especially with some of the new research on, on, for instance, mindfulness meditation, a lot of that you, you actually, do control, or at least, I don't know if control is the right word, but you can affect. So we know, for instance, that people who are trained in mindfulness meditation, um, some some of their gene markers that would predispose them to this kind of illness or that kind of illness, those can get turned on and off just because you are meditating. So I think it's a lot more flexible than we think. That's the good news, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Have we learned to control each other through these program behaviors? Um, I think we we I think it's pretty easy, unfortunately, <laughs> to manipulate other people. I do. I I mean, I think our I don't I mean, it's going to come out sounding negative and I don't necessarily mean it this way, but you know, our uh, the whole world of advertising the whole world of marketing, uh, and I say that with some reluctance because a lot of my clients that I do work for are marketing and advertising people. But you know that that whole idea uh, is that we can manipulate people, and maybe manipulate is is not the best word because that's such a negative word. But you know, even this idea that you can—I I don't know if you've heard the term nudge. You know, that's in in marketing. Uh, uh, and behavioral science circles, that's, you know, we use the term nudging, meaning uh, we're, we're getting you to do something that's good for you, you know, like, like eat healthier, or exercise more. And therefore, because it's good for you, it's not manipulative, you know, <laughs> but you know what, it still is, right? Splitting hairs here, aren't we, yeah, right? <laughs> but it is really, you know, I mean, it's, it's unfortunately, uh, really easy to influence people um, to uh, do something or not do something, to think a certain way or not think a certain way. 
how can we as individuals evolve beyond this vulnerability to manipulation and exploitation? You know, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And sometimes because I've, you know, I wrote a book called how to get people to do stuff. And, and I've studied all of the different methods that, that uh, we use to uh, influence or manipulate each other. And, Sometimes people say to me, oh, well, you know, you wrote the book and you understand everything that people are doing. So that means you're not uh, susceptible to it, right? <laughs> and it's like, Wrong. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I know. I, I, after the fact, I know more that I've <laughs> been susceptible. I don't know if it prevents it. I think it's really, I think it's really difficult. And I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of that is I talked about the flexibility of our brain and the flexibility of our behavior. And then there are parts of it that are really resistant to, to flexibility and to change that really, you know, our programming is, is very strong. And, and actually, interestingly enough, I think our programming is strong for good reason. I think that a lot of the things that, um, you know, if you, if you really go and look at the core of, you know, why do we do the things we do, a lot of it has evolved to protect us, right? Um, you know, when you are walking in the woods and you see something and you jump in alarm, right? Because you think it's a, a snake or, a, you know, a scorpion or something, right? And it turns out it's just a stick. But you jumped because you are trying to protect yourself from dying, right? So I think that, you know, uh, Although we can sometimes get very negative about our automatic reactions, we have to understand, you know, they 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 sometimes do have a purpose. Um, you know, what happens, especially in the modern day world, is that uh, we get stuck in in these loops. I mean, part of you know uh, part of the certain stress uh, diseases that we have is because we keep ourselves on alert all the time. Right. And instead of just being uh, going on alert and, and having, uh, you know, adrenaline running through our, our bodies because we saw something we think was a snake, you know, we have it all the time because we're tense at work. And so that is not particularly good for us. So I think that um, as far as I can tell right now, the uh, the ways that you can try to overcome some of that programming or maybe even just over-programming um, is through retraining your brain with things like, um, you know, meditation and breathing and uh, uh, these other, um, I, you know, you might think of them as contemplative states, but I really think it has to do with uh, tuning in to your own brainwave patterns. Well, yeah. we're going to have to talk about ways to tune into our own brainwave patterns yeah. on the other side of a short pause. Susan and I will be back after this commercial break, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, 
or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. Remember, past episodes are available on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our special guest is ours, Susan Weinschenk. Her website, theteamw.com. Susan, we were talking about um, a very interesting phenomenon, and that's how we tend to program conditioned responses to stay safe and we actually do that personally rather than somebody imposing it on us so if we have a a traumatic event we put into place checks and balances in our brain that'll prevent us from going back there and doesn't that add to the stress yeah it definitely does i mean it's, it's so interesting because on the one hand you know your your body and your 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 brain is trying to protect you Right mm-hmm. from so from something, uh, and this can be true, you know, of trauma that you've had in the past. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen to uh, us in life, and and all kinds of conditioned responses we build up. Uh, there's the ones that are programmed into us, like you know, jump if you see a snake. But there's other ones um, that we program into ourselves, right? Just by things that happen to us, we're not necessarily aware they're there. So we have we all have all of these conditioned responses and in a way they developed to to help us but then you know they can harden and then we can get to the point where they're not helping us they're actually you know if not harming us they're preventing us from from living a of a, a full life a, a, an anxiety free life um and and so I think you know I'm a big fan of, for instance, um, mindfulness meditation as a as a technique to change some of that programming. So, how do these habitual behaviors show up in the brain? Well, they are um, there are what's called uh, neural connections in the brain. Um, so there are neurons in the brain, and when one neuron fires. Um, that will trigger another one to fire and will trigger another one to fire in in this chain of firing. And what happens is if you um, experience something over and over, and this could be something physical or it could be something mental. I'll give you an example. If I reach for my cell phone every time it buzzes or chirps, right, uh, I am I am starting this neuron firing and I'm, I'm completing this chain. And once that chain of neurons firing happens again, and then it happens again, and then it happens again, 
it becomes more likely for that chain to fire. So it becomes it becomes a habit. It becomes a conditioned response. Now, if I even think the phone made a chirp, I'm reaching for it before I even realize it because I've got that neuron pattern established. And this is true. I mean, that's how we established all kinds of, you know, habits. Um and how we learn all to do. I mean, that's how you learn to play the piano. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it's just that's that's the way the neurons work. But this can also work too, not for physical things like playing piano or reaching for your phone, but it could be anxiety or worry, right? So you you get anxious about an upcoming trip uh, that you're going on because you know you got to be on an airplane and and whatever and that makes you anxious and now as soon as you start to think about an upcoming trip which might be a pleasurable experience but now your neurons fire and the whole anxiety loop comes into play so that's the anatomy of PTSD isn't it yeah, I mean, PTSD is very interesting, and it really has its own um, brain patterns. Uh, there's some really great work going on about the the one of the things that happens with PTSD if people have a traumatic event in their past is parts of the brain that normally um, connect and talk to each other uh, stop talking to each other. And um, that can really, you know, that's especially when you get to some of the more severe um kinds of PTSD reactions, that's part of what's going on. Uh, and th- and so things that you do that help connect those different parts of the brain can help PTSD. And interestingly, um, two of those things that the research is showing us is yoga and mindfulness meditation. Isn't it amazing that these ancient practices are starting to be studied again? How much study is going on and what all are they showing? Well, I'm most familiar with this with the research that's going on with mindfulness meditation more so than necessarily yoga. Um, amazing research. There's research going on at University of Massachusetts, Massachusetts General Hospital, University of Wisconsin, University of um, Oregon. And they're showing things such as um, people who go through even, uh, let, let's say, you know, the traditional mindfulness-based training, for instance, from John Kabat-Zinn, is an eight-week program. And so people who go through the eight-week program, they have increased um, uh, white matter in their brain. That's the connective part. So the parts of their brain are connecting better. They have uh, decreased... Um, uh, uh, gray matter in areas of the amygdala, amygdalas where anxiety is processed. So basically, it it's reducing anxiety, it's increasing brain connection, it increases focus, and here's the most interesting thing: it uh, turns those genes on and off, um, genes that have to do with inflammation in the body, which uh, and most of our chronic diseases, diabetes, heart disease, and so on, arthritis are all. Uh, come from inflammation and there are genes that control that and people who have learned to do mindfulness meditation their genes are switching uh, off and on and helping to regulate that inflammation I find that just amazing so do I I mean it's it's like you're talking about um, the scientific explanation for spontaneous recovery from things yes amazing just amazing. And how conscious do you think we can start to become of this, you know, heal thyself sort of thing? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that a lot of this happens, you know, I believe that most of what goes on in our brain is unconscious and the research is bearing that out. I usually use the number like 90%. I don't know if that's exactly right, but most of what's happening in your brain, you are not aware of. And 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 what I think is fascinating is you don't have to be aware of it. <laughs> you, you can, you know, your brain is is. Uh, I've studied, for instance, the the research on on uh, creativity, and and your brain is so much smarter than the conscious your conscious part of it. And so you really don't have to be conscious of everything that's going on to have these wonderful benefits. What you what you do need to do is do some of these trainings, right? Because it's a habit. You you are you are creating new habits in your brain. Your brain will do it for you. You know, it's gonna switch the genes on and off. You don't have to do it consciously. You don't have to sit there and think, I'm now going to take gene number such and such and I'm gonna switch <laughs> it's a good it on. Thing. We could yeah. make a big mess, couldn't we? <laughs> we really could. <laughs> 
So it's kind of like driving a car. The car does all sorts of things automatically. You choose where to go. So when you go into your mindfulness meditation, do you kind of set your intent or is there an intent set within your, you know, your wishes, your wants, your desires that will influence then what the brain does do when you're in mindfulness meditation? I don't think so. I mean, I, it's, it's so interesting. You know, there's a, um, the science of creativity that is definitely, uh, the way when, there are three networks that work with creativity and, and from what we know about that, setting your in- intention in what's called the executive network is really important for the brain to then run all the simulations and come up with ideas that it does unconsciously. So in that way, if you're trying to change your life, if you're trying to manifest, if you're trying to be creative, I think setting the intention is very, very important. But in terms of what we've been talking about here with uh, mindfulness meditation, um, really it is it is formulaic. It's I liken it more to um because it's all about habits so really i think it's much more uh about um if you've ever learned to play piano or learned a musical instrument and you really have to get what's called muscle memory you know you got to get your fingers to move a certain way and you could sit there and look at your fingers forever and 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 give an intent that they're going (laughs) to move correctly and they're not going to move correctly just by sitting and looking at them or thinking about them or having an intention you have to practice right it's that neuron uh, firing and i think the mindfulness meditation is much more like that so that you know to go through a training to practice being in the present moment which is what mindfulness meditation is all about that um that you 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 kind of forcing yourself to always come back to the present back to the present not be distracted back to the present that retrains your brain and i don't think intention the only intention there would be that you know i have an intention to learn how to do it um but really it's just a matter of you know okay follow the process step one do this step two do that and then let the the your brain retrain itself do you think that works because by coming back to the present, it seems to me like our conditioning either comes from the past or, or fear for the future. But if we're in the present, does it pull us out of the kind of conditioned response? Yes, that's exactly what happens. So you have all these conditioned responses, most of which you're not really aware of, um, so that when you know somebody says something or you see something on the news or you have smells something or you know whatever it is, you're you start firing these neuron patterns that take you into you know anxiety or depression or tiredness or what or or anger or whatever it is and um by just always coming back to the present you learn to not be so reactive to everything that's going on around you and not start all those neuron firings automatically and that leaves you free, I believe, to either create new patterns or to just be there in the present and not always have to be, react with a conditioned response. Well, we'll talk about more about the present moment um, in the future, I'm afraid. It's time for a short pause. <laughs> Susan and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. You stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Um, That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org, bringing the latest tools and information to support the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Susan Weinschenk. Her website, theteamw.com. Susan, we were talking about being in the present moment as a way to start to reprogram your brain. Um, and a lot of people, when you think of mindfulness, meditation, or whatever, you think sitting down contemplating your navel for an hour. But what about walking mindfulness meditation? Can't we just engage this periodically, instantaneously throughout the day if we practice it enough? Well, you know, the goal, I think, of mindfulness meditation is to get to the point where you are doing it all the time, that you are, you've retrained your brain enough so that now you can go about your regular life, whatever it is, washing the dishes, uh, being with the kids, uh, being at work, and and not be so reactive and not not always be playing these automatic conditioned responses out. Um, so that is absolutely the goal. But in order to get there, it's as though, you know, if you said, look, I'm going to train, you know, for for to run a marathon. Um, and that's, you know, I, I, I'm going to be that fit that I can run a marathon. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm just going to go about my daily life and think about running the marathon, right? You know, it's like, no, you got to go through the training, right? You got to get your muscles strong enough. You have to build up your endurance. You have to get to the point where uh, you are that strong just, you know, all the time. And I think that's what the, the meditation is, the mindfulness meditation is about is, is, initially just learning because it's it's actually an enormous amount of work to retrain your brain it really is you've had to how many years right of of kind of training it the quote wrong way uh, or at least an uh, unconscious way and now you're going to retrain it that's that's not an easy thing and you know we find it takes about eight weeks to do that and and that's the part at which you really do need to be sitting down and doing it because it's really hard work. It is really hard work to do. And I teach a, a, a course, uh, an eight-week course, um, at my local yoga studio, and and uh, that we do together. I also have a an online course as well. But when I bring the group together, you know, I warn them. You know, this <laughs> this is a lot. This is hard. This is a lot of work. This is not fun it's not fun and um it's worth it i believe it's worth it but it's really interesting when you 
you know, I tell people just, you know, close your eyes and try to stay in the present moment, like for two minutes. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, if we're stuck in conditioned response, though, is evolution even possible? Um, you know, evolution, uh, as we know it, you know, from a, what we know so far in a scientific viewpoint, it is possible. It, it's very, very slow. I, it happens in really, really small increments. And it happens primarily based on what's going on in the outside environment. So, um, you know, that's, that's how it usually works. And so change, but changes are definitely possible that they don't, they don't happen really quickly. Um, you know, if we're talking about, you know, can we speed that up? Can we change the speed at which it happens? Um, you know, it's, it's possible that we can, uh, I, I'm a, do you know, have, have you read anything about or, or talked to anyone about the whole idea of Lamarckian, uh, the Lamarckian theory and Lamarckian genetics? Mm-mm. So this is a very, it's actually pretty controversial. And uh, sometimes when I start talking about it, I think, oh boy, people are going to think I'm really, you know, really out there. Um, but it's there's actually now real science that's coming in behind it. So many years ago, and I should know the date, I don't, um, this is about the time that Darwin was doing his work. Uh, there was a guy named uh, Lamarck who, um, who posited the idea that when an organism, an animal, a human, has an experience in their life, they can, uh, that experience changes their DNA and they can pass that on to their offspring. And, you know, the whole idea of uh, Darwinian evolution is that you, that that doesn't happen. That, you know, for instance, if, if you have a memory that, you know, uh, you know, of, of some event, that memory is, doesn't get passed down to your children, right? They, that's not how evolution works, but the, the, and, and he was, Lamarck was like, you know, just shown to be, you know, it's like nobody would believe him and so on. But now we're starting to get some research to show that, um, the changes, there are changes that, that, uh, your experience has, it does change your genes and you can pass that down. And so I think that the idea that and if that's true that that would speed up evolution. Yeah, and it goes it goes with the um, indigenous beliefs that you know what you do <laughs> affects to the seventh generation. Yes, you know, and both directions. So it's like right. you know it changes things. And if that's the case, you know things are changing really fast out there. Yes. I think we're being bombarded with more in less time now than any time in history. And I think we're challenged to keep up. Um, is there a way to reorganize the brain to better meet the new challenges of today? You know, we're finding out the brain is much more neuroplastic. The term that's, that's used is neuroplasticity. So, um, and there's some wonderful, wonderful research on this, some great TED Talks on this. So uh, apparently much more than we used to think, the brain can take certain areas that we thought were dedicated, for instance, to vision or to hearing, and it can repurpose that. And um, so people can, uh, by by sending vibrations to your back, they, they put a vest on and they send vibrations to your back, and the brain can, within about 20 minutes, um, change that vibration and, and realize oh, wait, this isn't a massage I'm getting. You know, this is information coming in, and it's actually auditory information. And and then people are, I'm doing air quotes, hearing, but people who have hearing impairments can hear, and their brain does it automatically. The same is happening with vision. There's there's send, uh, devices that are put on the tongue, uh, and and signals are sent from a camera to the tongue, and a blind person can start to see now, they're not seeing exactly the same way we're seeing, but they're seeing enough to navigate the world around them. And this is because their brain is taking the the part of the brain that usually handles um, taste, right, your, your taste buds, and it's saying, oh, this doesn't seem like a, a taste bud 
data. This seems like visual data and just switches it. And we did, we were not aware uh, that the brain could be that neuroplastic. And like, uh, as I said, it happens in about 20 minutes. So uh, of the data coming in and your brain does the switching. So this is an amazing idea that our brains could change that fast, could reorganize themselves that quickly. And I, I think that that, I think there's an a, amazing amount of promise with that that we haven't even begun to to investigate. Well, it sounds also like um, it's kind of an explanation for your um, uh, a lot of your psychic abilities. People that's extrasensory perception through smell or through sound or through you know it might start to explain that. Yes. Yep. How fascinating is that? How fascinating. So, which must change first, our behavior or our neural programming? Um, I think they go hand in hand. I don't think you can separate them. I don't think it's really a duality. I think the two really go together and, and either can change the other. So your behavior can start to change your brain. Your brain can start to change your behavior. So, you know, these, these squirrel wheels we get on, <laughs> can we put them in reverse and, and start having stimulus that will unwind us rather than stimulus that will wind us up? Yeah, I think it's not even so much as putting us in reverse as we just get off and, um, <laughs> yeah, <like that. laughs> you know, Stop and, and, and see something else that's more interesting and we go and, and we, uh, engage with something else. I think it's a matter of, of just, you, you can, you can teach yourself to not get on the wheel and then you can eventually just get rid of the wheel. How do you see a, the individual evolving mentally? You mean individual people, how we're mm -hmm. going to evolve over time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, with this process, while we're cooperating with, with the process, what, what, what ex differences can we expect? Oh, um, you mean if you retrain your brain this way? Mm -hmm. uh, it's very interesting. It's, it's, and so, in some ways, it's very subtle. And then, and then when you stop and think about the changes, then because it happens slowly over time, right? But then when you look back... Um, you kind of remember your old self and then you're surprised. So uh, being less reactive um, to what's going on around you, uh, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you've heard you can't change someone else, you can only change yourself, right? right. Uh, but of course what happens is when you change yourself, then you change your relationships with others. And, and so it seems as though they're changing but really it's you that's changing, but you can, uh, I find, I mean, personally and what my, what students have told me is, um, they enjoy life more. They enjoy their relationships more. They get along better with people that they used to, uh, uh not get along well with. Um, they, uh, uh, people that are difficult, um, leave their lives, leave yeah. them. The game uh, just isn't present anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need to take another break. Susan and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. We'll be back. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Oh! 
They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a Simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, www.missionevolution.org. Bringing the latest developments in an involving world. I'm your host, Gold Uyaka. I always love suggestions from my listeners. Email me at info at missionevolution.org to propose a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Susan Weinshank. Her website, theteamw.com. Susan, we were talking about the changes that the individual can see when they start working with taking advantage of neuroplasticity and working with uh, meditative techniques. What changes do you think we can expect in a society as the event individuals evolve mentally? Well, you know, I think that um, this whole idea of, of, you know, not, not reacting automatically in a conditioned way, in a reptilian brain way, I think that that would be so significant to, uh, I, I mean, you know, we, we probably wouldn't, uh, kill each other. We probably wouldn't shoot each other. We probably, uh, you know, we'll, we would be more compassionate. One of the things I think that happens when you, when you retrain your brain this way is you just realize that, um, uh, you come to accept, uh, you just come to accept things. It's like, you know, Hey, we're, we're all human. We're not perfect. Uh, we're all in this together. We all have, um, these these programmings and these conditionings and you know we'll, all we can do is is try our best you know and that so that idea of compassion that idea of understanding of not reacting automatically of not reacting in such a uh, personal way right when someone lashes out it instead of taking it personally and then lashing back out at them which I think is what we is what our governments do. Right. So I think there are so many things that happen in our society that that are you know not positive uh, that c- could be made much better if we just all were not so reactive and all uh, a lot more compassionate. And that's what this retraining does. Well, you know, it looks like it's going to be a systems buster, though, because aren't um, are all of our systems designed, you know, from advertising to government to everything? Um, even law enforcement, aren't they designed around using our uh, programmed responses to control us? You know, in a way they are, but I, I think that, um, you know, if, even if you look at uh, law enforcement, I mean, law enforcement 
you know, officers often have to, you know, react quickly and react automatically. But a lot of times they're trained to de-escalate. A lot of times they're trained to, to take it down a notch. You know, we tend to see all the the times when the, when there is an automatic reaction or an overreaction and, and it's not a good situation. But there are probably many more times when when they're like, you know, I mean, let's calm this down, right? Let's right. Oh, I've, so to- I've so totally seen that. Yeah, I've worked with yeah. with uh, law enforcement a lot, and I see that. You know, just like with your emergency workers. What I was talking about is how the masses are managed by the status quo. Yeah, it's um, it it in some ways I can see how it would be, you know, to the advantage of people who have power to keep those people who aren't in power, you know, doing things a certain way. But I guess, you know, it's funny, I tend to not always be an optimist. Um, I think because I know too much about human behavior, that I tend to get kind of pessimistic about what's going to happen and where we're all headed. But in that regard, I think I'm kind of an optimist. I think that um, I think that there's enormous power in people becoming more aware of who they are and why they do what they do. And I guess there's a part of me that believes that, you know, if, if the majority of us, um, are, are filled with compassion and less reactive, that will have inevitably that will have a reaction and that will, will become stronger than people who are manipulating and oppressing. So the, the change that we're seeing while it might be chaotic at times is one of personal empowerment I think, you know, I, I, for whatever reason, for many years, I've believed that that's, you know, change comes from, from each individual. Mm-hmm. And until we, we each become more aware of what's going on, we probably can't have large global change without, you know, majority of the people being aware internally of their own consciousness and their own abilities. Well, I sure hope it snowballs quick. That's all I can say. <laughs> what do you think we'll discover next about the brain and neuroscience that we don't already know? You know, I think that we're gonna we're gonna learn more about this whole idea of you know DNA and gene switching. I think the new research that's coming up on um, that's starting to emerge about what placebos really are, and uh, you know what healing really is. I think that research that's now starting to, you know, science is starting to look into that. I think that's exciting. And, you know, I am personally, I am really looking forward to um, the point when we can explain with science. So, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a science person, right? I mean, I, I study science. I teach science. I love science. And then there are parts of me that, that and parts of my life and experiences I've had that I am convinced will have a scientific explanation, but they don't yet. And that kind of bothers me. So for instance, you know, I, I'm a Reiki master. Uh, where's the science on that? You know, (laughs) I'm, uh, uh, I have certain types of psychic abilities like precognition. Where's the science on that? So I think that I think we'll find that science, and I am really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really exciting when we put those pieces together. I'm so with you. I'm, I'm you and I are cut from the same cloth in that <laughs> little bit of science, a little bit of magic, and you know, ultimately, they come together, and there is an explanation for these things. Just because we don't have it yet doesn't mean that they aren't valid. And I, there's a lot of great studies going on out there about it too, isn't there? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoy you know learning about the research on that. We're hearing a lot about manifesting and creating our own reality. Is there anything in brain science research that you've read that indicates that this uh, to is tied to the brain science? Absolutely. I'm so you know I, I I delved into the science of creativity, what's we called creativity, and when I I learned about that, and there's very specific science on that. Uh, and as I was learning about that, I said, oh, my gosh, this is exact. This exactly explains 
how you can manifest your own reality. It is, it, it is the same thing. So there's definitely a scientific and a brain science explanation of how it works and also then cues and clues about how to work. It basically, there's this natural way your brain works. And if you understand that, then you understand what you need to do with your intentions, with your actions, uh, with your imagery in order to help the manifestation because it is the natural way your brain works anyway. What's the first step to starting to become conscious of this and working with it? Um, the, the first step I, I learn about the, the science of creativity. I mean, I even have a course on that, that goes through the science of creativity. Now in that course, I don't necessarily talk about manifesting your own reality. And that's the next step. That's actually, it's one of the courses I have planned to record coming up soon. But if you just learn about the science of creativity and you'll get it right away. So for instance, you have to be very specific about your intention in terms of the what, but not about the how, because oh, good point. <laughs> you want your your uh, unconscious mind, which is the second step, to do the how. Um, you have to. I mean, it's all the thing. Anyone who's ever worked with manifesting manifestation, if you read this brain science and creativity, you'll just like you know, kind of slap your head and go, "Duh, of course." But I never really thought about it that way. Um, but you need to uh, set your intention very clearly and then about the what, and then you need to uh, stop thinking about it and go and do something totally different and just let your brain do its thing, put things together. Then you have to pay attention, though, when ideas bubble up to the surface, that's your um, your your unconscious brain coming up with solutions, and then you have to act on them. And and so you're gonna get you're gonna come up with ideas. You're gonna be walking the dog, and all of a sudden you're gonna think, you know, I should maybe I should talk to so and so about blah 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 blah. And that's that is your brain working on manifesting, and you've got to have pen and paper or cell phone recorder ready to go and record that idea. And then as soon as you can, you have to act on it. Um, so it's, it, there's, to me that, that definitely there's a science of manifestation and, and, and we understand that we meaning the neuroscientists understand it. I, I don't know that they call it that they'll, they'll call it the science of creativity, but it's the same thing. It's a wonder, it's a wonderful thing. I call that follow, set your intent and follow your promptings. It's yes. Just like the yellow, it's like the yellow brick that, road, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Well, we are just about out of time. Tell me real quickly about the brain of the future? The brain of the future, I think is going to be, I think that neuroplasticity is going to be even more. I think uh, our unconscious brain activity will be just as much or even more. And well, I th- I'm, I'm afraid that's as far as we can go because okay. we're already out well, of time. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Our guest this hour has been behavioral scientist and the author of How to Get People to Do Stuff, Susan Weinshank. Her website, theteamw.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. 
Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon. UFOs are real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.